chapter 17, Luke chapter 17, verse 11, and I'm going to give you four words that we're going to talk about today. Everything that we're going to talk about is going to be about four words. I think you're going to be happy to hear these four words. They are rejoice, pray, thank, repeat. Rejoice, pray, thank, repeat. Rejoice, pray, thank, repeat. And um, I think you should be happy, too, because I think last time I spoke, it was just a little bit, like, I think a lot of people cried. So don't worry, we're talking about rejoicing. Yes, uh, yes you are all welcome. I am sorry that I got emotional, too. Um, so we're talking about rejoicing, praying, thanking, and just that, re- that repetitive process that we go through as Christians. Um, and to start off, um, I would like to thank um, Justin because... Um, well, he is my boss, but not because he's my boss, but Justin, Justin took a chance on me, a chance that no one else in my life took, hiring me, <laughs> okay, I was, but hiring, yeah, I'm sorry, I said I wasn't going to, but Justin, I, I owe you a lot, and I, I appreciate greatly um, the opportunities that you have given me, and I hope to honor that today. So, um, again, we're in Luke chapter 17. I swear, hopefully no more mo- emotion after that. Just pure, pure Bible, no, no emotion at all after this. So, um, yeah, it is emotional. On that note, I'm going to pray. All right, so, um, again, we're in Luke 17, verse 11. It'll be up on your screen, but turn there if you need to uh, while I pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Um, thank you for your helper. Um, God, I entreat your helper now. Um, it is by your help, your spirit, your helper, that I do anything good today, that anyone here learns today. Uh, God, we prayed and we sang for you to come because we're not enough without you. Such powerful lyrics. God, such a powerful time of worship. Thank you for your spirit um, indwelling in us. And God, please. Illumine your word, inspire us through your word as we look at Luke chapter 17. Amen. All right, so Luke chapter 17, verse 11, we see that Jesus is on the way to Jerusalem. On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? He's not even Jewish. And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Uh, So in preparing the sermon, you know, we have the series of satisfy, what what truly satisfies us. And I'm arguing that satisfaction um, from God is is made very hard without rejoicing, praying, and thanking. And we see here this leper gave us a great example of that. I mean, God did something for him. 
It's a very simple story. I mean, there's not a ton of background information. They're lepers. Leprosy is a very contagious disease. I believe they now have a cure for it. I'm sure some med student here knows a lot more than I do. Um, but it was a contagious disease. And leprosy, if you had it, you had to stay outside the camp, outside the city, and you had to be in like a quarantine spot so you didn't get anybody else sick. And if anybody ever even came near you, you had to cry out, unclean. So these people were not just kind of... Not, doing, not saying what they were supposed to say, because they were supposed to say unclean. Instead, they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And Jesus says, go and show yourselves to the priests. So this is cool, because after you were healed, it was, le- it was by law, if you were healed, you had to go to the priest, present yourself, say, hey, I'm healed, a miracle happened, they offer a sacrifice for you, and then they institute you back legally into society so that you don't get anybody else sick. So Jesus is saying, tells these, tells these lepers, hey, go and act like, go and act like you're being uh, healed. Go, go act like it as if you were going to be healed. And then, I guess, on the way, they believed the word of Jesus, and it became true for their lives. And they were all cleansed. They were all healed of their leprosy. However, only one came back to thanks. Only one. I think it would be a really cool story. I didn't have time to write it, but it would be a really cool story to go and answer the question, where are the nine? I don't think that information is out there, so you'd probably have to make it all up. But it would be really cool. Because my guess is that those nine, they were healed, and all they recognized was that they were healed in body, and they probably weren't satisfied with the rest of what God gave them in this life. But you know who I think was satisfied was this one Samaritan leper who came back, and on his way to presenting himself clean, he said, wait, there's a guy that I need to thank first. And he was right before God by thanking the man that God used. In this case, it was God himself. So he rejoiced that he was healed, and then he prayed I mean, to God through a man. I mean, it was very efficient. He, I mean, the guy that he thanked was God himself. So he kind of like skipped a step, but it was good because it was Jesus. So it's great. Like if you're ever in Sunday school and they're like, hey, what's brown and hairy and climbs up trees to get nuts? The answer is Jesus, not squirrels. Always Jesus. Gets that kiss up on a tree. The kiss was not. It's great. It's great. That one was for free. Next one's going to charge you. So, one thing that that we learn here, though, is that you have to be thankful. In First Thessalonians five, Paul is is giving kind of his his last charge to the Thessalonians, at least for this letter, and he goes through exactly what what we're talking about and rejoice, pray, thank. Verse fifteen. It should be yeah. It's up on there on the screen. I'll go ahead and read that now. Verse 15, see that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. So when he clarifies do good to one another, he's talking about do do good to believers, but don't just stop at doing good to believers. Do good to everyone, even those that aren't believers, because this is how you should be following this. People are going to see this, and they're going to question what's going on in your life. If you're a Christian and no one's ever thought of you as different, you might not be doing it right. Because God cares a lot more about how you be than how you do, or what you do. I mean, pardon the English, but how you be is so much more important than what you do. So, Paul gives us three commands here. Verse 16, he says, rejoice always. Right, so if any of you need to memorize a verse, there's a good one for you. It's two words, the whole thing. Rejoice always, right? So, I have taught you to memorize scripture I feel good about myself. You feel good. This is great. But there's another one. Pray without ceasing. That one's only three words. Very important as well. In verse 18, 
Give thanks in all circumstances. Give thanks in all circumstances. You know, for that leper, it was, it was probably pretty easy to say thank you. I mean, Jesus just changed his life. He could now go see his kids. He could now go be with his family. He could now go see a lot of people he probably hadn't seen in years. He had very much to be thankful for. But Paul is arguing here that we should not forget that we need to give thanks in all circumstances. Why? See how the verse ends. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, the helper. Do not quench God's will for your life. You know, a lot of us here, especially students, younger people, we're frantic. I'm not a college student, but I I remember being one. We're frantic about what God's next steps are for you. What job am I supposed to take? Where am I supposed to live? What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to go here? Am I supposed to go there? What am I supposed to do? Do, 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 99% of the time that God addresses his plan for your life, his will for your life, it looks just like this. Rejoice, pray, and give thanks. Thank you, God, for bringing me to West Virginia University. Thank you. I mean, does, does your prayer, when you ask God about his next plans for your life, does it start with that? Or does it, are you just consumed with what the next step is and you're always consumed with what the next step is? Which one is it? So we see this pray without ceasing. This, this no doubt affects our prayer life, right? How to pray. Rejoice in your prayers. How, that's different. Do you wake up every morning and be happy? Joy and happy, I, I just mixed two words together. I don't think they're really different. Joy and happiness. Paul is saying, rejoice always, as in, be happy in God. We just try to say happy is like shallow and joy is more deep or something, but I, I think they're both look the same. And Paul here is commanding, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. So in your prayers, how can you pray in a way that is going to reflect these things? So my challenge is to look in Psalms. If you don't know where to go to pray, look in Psalms. Today we're going to look at Psalms 100. And... It went pretty well in the first service, and I think everybody liked it, so we'll do it again. In Psalm 100, it's just five verses. And if you don't know how to pray in a way that gives God thanks, just go to the Psalms and pray through the Psalms. I'm going to pray through this Psalm together uh, with you. And we're just going to go verse by verse, and and I'm just going to pray through this verse, and you all can just listen. So if you could, just entertain, just bow your heads. Look at, if you have your word with you, just look down at your, your scripture, your copy of the word. If you need to look up at the screen, that's fine. But I'm just going to read these five verses and just pray to God right here. And just, just let us see what it looks like to just pray. Pray in the Spirit. God, God's Spirit has already inspired this. Let it inspire you too. So, Psalm 100, verse 1. God, thank you. Thank you for Psalms. Thank you for for inspiring writers to record things that they have felt about you, things that they have been impacted um, in their experience with you. Verse 1 in Psalms 100 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. God, help help us make joyful noises. You gave us the ability to make noise. And God, let us not be like a clanging cymbal that Paul talks about when we, when we act and talk without love. But God, let us be making joyful noises. God, I think this implies that I need to be sorry when I, act, when I use my mouth to complain about things that I don't have. 
or when I complain about things that don't go the way I see them going. Because when I'm complaining about that, I'm not having joy for you. And God, I want to have joy for you, one, because your apostle commanded it, and two, because it worked out well for David. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. God, it is a privilege to serve you. And God, may I never ask anyone to serve without gladness in their heart for you. And let us come into your presence like we did this morning with singing. Even even if we can't sing, let us just be singing a song of you in our spirit. And while we serve you, just let us, let us sing your praises and reflect how good you are. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. God, thank you so much that we are your sheep, that you do care so much about us as to take ownership of us and to take responsibility for us. God, we know that you are good. Verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. God, the greatest thing that we have to be thankful for always no matter how bad our life is, no matter what loved one we lost, no matter how depressed we seem we are, no matter how much we can, we can always, always enter your presence with thanksgiving because you sent your son to take our place, and not only that, but to rise from the dead that we may never have to experience death and eternity, but that we will experience life everlasting with you. And God, we have so much to be thankful for. But God, let us always remember to enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. Verse 5, For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. God, you are so good. And from my understanding, this steadfast love word is the Old Testament form of the word grace. And God, your grace endures forever. It is what gives us eternal life through the resurrected Son, Jesus. And your faithfulness went to my father and my kid and my kids' kids and all of the kids that come that you have thought about. To all generations, your faithfulness and your grace endures. God, we just thank you for that. Amen, God. We can always pray with thanks. It is so important to pray with thanks. Psalm 50, verse 23 says, it's on the screen, the one who offers thanksgiving as his sacrifice glorifies me. God doesn't want you to earn something with him. That's not the relationship it works like. Like if Jess comes at me and she's like, hey, could you... um, pick up milk for me i'm like well did you earn the right for me to pick up milk for you <laughs> yeah no just like i tried that one slap upside a face no no what i all i care is like hey say thank you yeah i'll go get it just be thankful that's it that's all it is i have a son who you know who was up on stage for a minute last time i spoke and um, he, he's two and a half before you today, and I'm telling you, he has an addiction. He is addicted to milk. 
2%. It is a thing. It's a thing. I don't know of a clever word for it, but it is a thing. Milk addiction. Corbin loves milk. And, um, and he will come at me like his life depends on this next glass of milk. He's like, oh, my word. Dad, Dad, give me the milk. Give it to me. Give it. I need it. I need it. I can't go to bed without it. I can't sleep without it. I just need it. I just need it. I just need it. I'm like, good grief, kid. Here's your milk. Just get out. Just go. Just go. What? You're not a perfect dad? No, I get impatient sometimes. I'm sorry. <laughs> However, there's also times when Corbin comes to me, and he realizes that he, we kind of get annoyed at him when he's like that, and he comes at me, and he just gives me a big hug, and he's like, Daddy, not some milk, please. I'm like, buddy, if you would have asked for a pony, I would have gave it to you. If you would have asked for a roller coaster, I would have put it in the backyard tomorrow, sign the loan, make it happen. It was yours. I mean, what I'm saying also is that Corbin, when, oh, and then when I give him the milk, he goes, oh, thank you, Daddy. Thank you, Dad. If you've ever baby stabbed, you've probably heard it before. Like, oh, thank you. Thank you, Daddy. He used to just always know, thank you, Mommy, so he'd always call me Mommy. And it was, it was funny. But, <laughs> but normally also, when he says thank you for the one glass, I'm like, man, get over here. Let me get you a re- refill on that milk. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on. So what am I saying? That you're going to get more of what you want just because you're thankful for what you have? No, but yeah. I mean, your financial decisions are your financial decisions. But if you're thankful for what's God given you, what God has given you, I don't see any reason he wouldn't keep giving you more. Um, in Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, Paul says the same thing again, just in different words and to different people. It's fun to look at. You see, what was our theme again? Do we, can we repeat it? Rejoice. Yes, repeat. Thank you. You know where I got that from? On the back of your shampoo bottle often says, lather, rinse, repeat. <laughs> Every time you read that, you think of rejoicing and praying and thanking because you should repeat that for your entire life every day. And then repeat it. Okay, that's enough. <laughs> Verse 4, Philippians 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness or your fairness or your sound judgment, is what that big word is, be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand, as in his presence is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. These, these are so powerful. This is First Thessalonians was like the two word and the three word like form of this, but this is this is the expounded version. This is the cool. This is for the fans. This is rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice because it's that important. What is joy? Rejoice. Have joy. Be happy. Wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Are you saying that you have to that we are commanded to be happy? You're commanded. I thought happiness was a choice. I'm going to go here. I thought depression was a disease. Don't read into that. But God commands you to be happy. And there's one thing I know about God is that he, if he asks something of you, he will give you the ability to make it happen. God is asking us to rejoice. God is asking us to have joy. That's awesome. 
We have a God who just says, be happy. I can't make you do it. You just choose to do it. I'll give you my helper. What's the fruit of the Spirit? It's the one that boggles me for so long. The Spirit gives self-control. God's Spirit's going to help you choose to be happy. He's going to help you choose to be thankful for something in the midst of your trials, in the midst of your hard times, in the midst of all the things that cause depression in our lives. And I've been there, not to the extent of a lot of other people, but I have gone through seasons. And I'm sure that every single one of us here has also gone through seasons where it's like, dude, I'm not happy. And you commanding me to be happy is just not helping. Okay, so pray about it. We're commanded to rejoice. If you can't rejoice, pray. If you don't know what to pray, just thank God for something. You're here. You have the ability to thank. And then keep repeating. I'm telling you, you're going to put a smile on your face. I mean, this is fun. This is happy. So there are a few stories, though, in the Bible of people that, that refuse to give God thanks. One is, is the Israelites. In Numbers 14, we're not even going to go there, but in Numbers 14, the Israelites, after God has just like enacted the ten plagues on Egypt to set these people free, they've been enslaved for 400 years, God set them free through like totally annihilating the world's strongest government known as Egypt, and brings these slaves out of Egypt, and they constantly complain and grumble against God, asking him after he did all these miraculous things, they forgot all the cool things he did about for them, like when they wanted water, they were like, God, we're going to die without water. What's that, what is the deal? You just brought us out here to die. God's like, hey, Moses, throw the log in the water. They're fine. Get over it. Let's go. Rejoice. Hey, you're welcome, by the way, for like turning a river into blood and then you know, sending frogs on your enemies and all this other stuff that I did for you. Um, you're welcome. And then they get hungry. And they're like, oh, God, we're going to die out here. We're just hungry. We're all you know, hungry, hungry, hungry. We need stuff. We need stuff. We need stuff. God's like, okay, here's manna. I'm giving you bread from my own bakery in heaven. <laughs> Here you go. You're welcome. Nowhere do I see them thanking God. So finally, 10 times of that stuff goes on. In Numbers 14, they're like, oh, God, we are tired of your heavenly baker bread. We want meat. We want meat. We just can't live without meat. We can't live without meat. We're going to die out here if we don't get meat. And God's like, all right, fine. You will die out here. If you're not going to thank me, and if you're not going to remember anything that I do for you, fine. Oh, and by the way, here's your meat. And he sends them more meat than they know what to do with. It stinks everywhere. They're not satisfied whatsoever. And I mean, that's funny. <laughs> and it goes to show with our series of Satisfy that if you are not thankful for what God has done, why would he continue to bless you? When I was in trouble with the law, do you know what the court called me? An ingrate. Who knows what an ingrate means? Anybody? An ungrateful person. Unable to acknowledge and respect the property of somebody else. So when you're not thankful, you fit in with who I was. You fit in with somebody that deserved to go to jail. That's your, that's your party. Complain all you want. That's where you would classify. That's where the court would classify you. You're an ingrate. If you can't learn to be thankful about what God has done for you, don't do that. Don't do that. 
You know, in college, I learned that there was uh, no such thing as a free lunch. Any economic majors that, that figured that one out? Yeah, I see head nods. That's good. No raise of hands, though. Nobody passionate about this? Just me. Okay. All right, so one thing that's cool is that all things boils down to God, right? When, when, I, when I go to Wendy's and I get my free app cheeseburger thing, and, and Wendy's gives me a free cheeseburger after I buy fries, because you have to buy something. And, <laughs> and after I get my free cheeseburger, I say thank you, right? Well, let's just track what happened for me to get that cheeseburger, because it, it was free to me with my fry purchase. But Wendy's had to pay for that. That came from somewhere. It, it required meat, which required, in this case, a cow that was fresh, never frozen, hallelujah. And then <laughs> the cow required a farmer, and the cow also required food, which required more farming, which required crops to grow, which required crops to be planted, which required rain. And those are a lot of R's, but required rain. And where does rain come from? God. When you have a cup of coffee in cafe, first off, somebody had to make that, thank you. And somebody had to make that cup of coffee. Somebody had to pay for that cup of coffee. We all paid for that cup of coffee. You're welcome, as the church. Your, your giving paid for the coffee, so thank you. And your giving, by the way, which is very generous, is an act of what God has done in your life. So there it goes. It goes back to God again. It all comes back to God. Every, every single time you say thank you, that thanks properly goes all the way back to God. That's why in the Bible you see a lot of times when people are thanking God, it's because they're in the middle of praising God. Because from God, all blessings flow. So every time you say thank you, you stop for a minute, because this will be funny too, if we like say thank you to somebody in here, and we're like, Crops, rain, seeds, farmer. And then I'm going to look at you looking like this in front of everybody, and I'm going to be like, <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Worship team can start making their way up. Um, I, wanted, I want to also talk about one story that has, that has been very dear to me um, in, in my walk with Christ, um, and that is a story about David. Um, this, this verse has gotten me through so much temptation, um, it's, it's just cool. So David, in, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 7, David had just committed adultery with Bathsheba, had just committed murder against Bathsheba's husband, and God is addressing David in his sin. Because David, he forgot to rejoice. If he was too busy rejoicing in what God had done, I don't think he would have done what he did. If he was praying, I guarantee you he wasn't praying when he was with Bathsheba. I guarantee you he wasn't giving thanks for what ultimately brought him guilt. Am I right? So can you be thankful for everything you do? If so, you're getting pretty close to perfect. Because normally you don't thank God for what brings you guilt. Food for thought. But David, being addressed by God, verse 7. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms, and gave you the house of Israel and of Judah. David was arguably the strongest man in the world. Anything he wanted, 
he could have. Obviously. Nothing stopped him. He was one of the, the strongest men in the world, maybe in history, I don't know, compared to other armies. And he failed. He refused for at least a time to rejoice, pray, and thank. And we've all been there. I've been there. I've failed. Not in this way, thank the Lord. But I have I've failed, and you have failed. What's God's response when we fail? This blows my mind. The rest of this verse. And if this were too little, I would add to you as much more. Do you realize what that says? I made you the strongest man on earth. If that wasn't enough, I would have started making you strong for all of the earth and then more and then whatever else. Your desires were not wrong. Your desire to be satisfied is not wrong. How you go about being satisfied will not only determine whether or not you are indeed satisfied, but also the level to which you will be satisfied. God, I am sure of it, would have satisfied David beyond his wildest dreams. A lot more than he was satisfied with Bathsheba. If David had just rejoiced, prayed, and thanked. Right? So another cool thing about the leper. The leper gave thanks to a man because he recognized that his gift came ultimately, yes, from God, but God used a man to bless him. If there is one thing I think we can say about Christians, and just people in general, is that I don't think we're thankful to people enough. How many of you are a professor. Have you ever thanked your students for engaging your lecture? Because what, what do you think would happen if your students realized how important it was to you? Because when you thank something, you add value to it. People struggling with depression, do you feel valued? When's the last time somebody thanked you? See, when we refuse to thank people that God has put in our life, like Justin, I don't think Justin felt belittled when he was being thanked. Publicly. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. <laughs> Guys, when you forget to say thank you, you rob the chance for joy in somebody else. So be responsible. How many of us here are employees? Hopefully a lot of us, if not all of us. When is the last time you thanked your boss or your manager or your leader for your job? That would be different. You want an easy way to stick out? Easy way to stick out and make people know you're a Christian? Go thank somebody. Don't blast Caleb. Don't blast whatever else. Don't. <laughs> no Christian bumper stickers. How's that one? Takes more than a Jesus t shirt. All right, that's no. Uh, <laughs> no, but I was, after I, I, I talked about this first service, and somebody came up to me who, who runs a business afterwards, um, and he said, you know what, you're right. I had somebody come up to me, and they just said, hey, I just need to thank you for the opportunity you've given me to work for you and with you. And he was like, this commission was 15%. After that, I bumped him right up to 20. I was like, dude, you're awesome. Thank you. Thank you. 
You want a promotion? Stop thinking about how little your paycheck is and start thinking about how grateful you are to have a job. Everybody can complain about how little their paycheck is. Be different. How many of you are children? A lot of us. All of us. When's the last time you thanked your parents for being alive? You wouldn't be here without them. <laughs> parents, when's the last time you thanked your kid? Because they're still people, and they need to feel value. Just because you're over them and God put you in authority over them doesn't mean you don't have to treat them like everybody else. You need to be thankful. There's a fun one, spouses. Who here has loaded a dishwasher in the wrong way? <laughs> Thank your husbands for loading the dishwasher. <laughs> in the wrong way. <laughs> Wash them again. Hallelujah. Roommates. How many times do you thank your roommate for just being a friend or for not doing something? Or are you too busy about worrying about how loud their music is or how loud this is or how loud something else is? Guys, if everybody listened to this and everybody responded with gratitude from today, guys, this church would look different. This church would look so different. I'm not saying that none of you are thankful. I believe a lot of you are thankful. But I'm saying if we're even more thankful for our circumstances and our people that God puts around us. It's going to change this church. And you know what? I put a little bit of money on it. It would make you happy. I looked up the top eight um, reasons for depression. And I'm not getting into them again because I know that there's stuff and yada yada. I'm not here to argue that, but I am here to say what God's commands are. Number One of the number ones, seasonally depressed. We're changing through seasons. That one used to get me every so often. I would work landscaping, so I'd be in the sun 14 hours a day, and then all of a sudden with daylight savings time, there's like two hours of it, and I'm like... <laughs> Isn't it terrible? We should just have a conversation up here. Yeah. Oh, hey, here's a good one, and I'm not smart, so you can laugh at me for being stupid or for being smart, whichever one. Genetics. You are genetically designed to be depressed. That's an argument, that and I'm like, that is stupid. Yeah, I was not made to be depressed, okay? You were all made to be filled with a spirit that commands you to have joy. Your, your genes <laughs> were not designed for you to be depressed. Could there be more tendencies? Could there be more whatever, drug addiction tendency, whatever? Sure, but it's not what you were designed for. Your genetic DNA sequence was designed to rejoice, to pray, and to thank and repeat. I'll skim through these. Brain chemical imbalance, which I'm pretty sure is just the definition of not having happiness in your brain. Still, God commands you, be happy. If you need help with that, and I'll, I'll, I'll be a little bit more serious with that. If, if, you, if you do feel like one of these apply to you, I'm not trying to belittle you in any way. I am not trying to belittle you. I am trying to tell you that you should seek help because what's healthy is that you are happy and that you are joyful. Paul was in prison in chains, and he had joy. He was happy in the Lord and sang praises to him like we're about to sing now. And I know I'm over time, so I'll go ahead and, and stop and end with this. We're about to sing a song about an Ebenezer. It's a word that was only used one time in the Bible. It's from the prophet Samuel in 1 Samuel 7. 
The Israelites were going through a trial with the Philistines. They were going through hard times. And the prophet Samuel said, this rock, this monument here is an Ebenezer. And what it means, what the word Ebenezer means, is that God has brought us this far. And we will never forget that God has brought us this far. And everything that we do, we are not going to forget the lives that God saved, the things that God did, and we will know and we will remember forever. Even as I read this, we remember forever that God acted on behalf of his people. And if he acted then, he will act now. So as we close, think of your Ebenezer. Do not leave here without thanking God for something. If you can't find anything to thank God for, come up to this altar. We will show you what you can be thankful for. I promise. Because it's a good, good story. And he's a good, good father. No matter how bad your family was, no matter how bad the holidays are for you because it reminds you of problems and this and that, and it stresses you out, God is good. He is here, and we have something to be thankful for. So as we sing this song, raise your hands and lift up your Ebenezer before God and just give it to him.